What's up, everyone, and welcome to Beer Breakdown, where we dive into the stories behind some of our favorite LA beers with the brewers that brew them. And today I'm joined by Jesse and Dan Sundstrom from 10 Mile Brewing. Welcome, guys. Thanks so much for joining. Hey. Yeah, man. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here. Yeah, so you guys are, are in the same location, but socially distanced several feet apart, right? Yep. Uh, at least six feet. <laughs> there it is, right over there. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Have to set an example. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we're in Signal Hill, which uh, for those of you who don't know where Signal Hill is, we're right in the middle of Long Beach, completely surrounded by Long Beach. You have to go through Long Beach to get to us. Only 2.3 square miles. And uh, so Ultra Small, we're the first brewery or alcohol production of any kind in the city. And so we're really proud of that. We started off about, shoot, it's been almost 15 years ago now as um, home brewers and kind of worked our way up through the ranks through different competitions and started doing pretty well along that line. Eventually, uh, my daughter got married and we made all the beers for her wedding. The next day, we got two separate phone calls from restaurateurs who were asking, how can we get your beer in our restaurants? And it was like, that was kind of like the, the point where we said, hey, I think we really have something here. So we made the leap at that point, And that was about three years ago now. Here we are in the middle of a pandemic now. So <laughs> it's been good. What kind of brewery are you guys? What would you guys respond to that? I'd say that we're probably more of the classic kind of, kind of brewery where what we focus on are more typical like historical styles and just really kind of getting back to the basics. There's a lot of people that around us that do all the big uh, sours and they do all of the different kinds of adjunct beers and the pastry styles and, and all that kind of stuff. While those are awesome in their own right, we just really wanted to focus on those basics and get back to kind of like that classic definition of beer so that's kind of where we fall in nice yeah yeah we tend to do very traditional styles you'll 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 find german beers here you'll find uh, historical styles that you won't find anywhere else one of our favorite personal breweries is Society down in San Diego. Just fantastic brewery. That's kind of like my model brewery. And if you look at their tap list, that's what you'll see is classic beers all the way across the board. That doesn't mean we're not gonna do something, pull something out of our hat and do something crazy every once in a while. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, we're stay, you know, stick with the standards. I think last year, 2019, uh, opened up a second tasting room. Was it 2019? Yes, yeah. last year, almost exactly a year ago, coming up, uh, well, we were building out right now. In June, we opened up last year. So talk about that. How did that come about and what, what is that location? Well, if somebody would have asked us a year into opening this location, if we would have had a second location within two years, I would have said they were crazy. We were actually approached uh, by the uh, Steelcraft organization. There's uh, a Steelcraft here in Long Beach, close by to us already. Uh, we were the second Steelcraft, and there's another one in Garden Grove now. But they basically curate all the shops within the, the compound there. So they 
search out what they think is the best of the best in each group and try to bring them all together. So when they approached us and said, hey, we think you'd be a good fit for a bellflower location, it was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, you know, Smog is in Long Beach, Beachwoods in Garden Grove and, and us. And um, that's fantastic neighbors. We jumped at the, um, the opportunity. It was fantastic until this thing hit. <laughs> now we're completely shut down over there. We do uh, some to-go options on the weekend, but during the week we're entirely closed. But it's been fantastic. Bellflower is an area that was kind of a, a craft beer wasteland. There really wasn't anything between Long Beach and going north up into woodier area, even farther north. So we pulled from a lot of areas, Downey, Cerritos, Norwalk, north of Lakewood too. So yeah, it was, it was great. And we started building a really good customer base there. And uh, since we've shut down, we've really heard it too. It's like a lot of people are, are really missing their craft beer out in that area. Let's dive into the beer that we're going to be talking about today. Hidden Hollow, Kentucky Common, a, an extremely unique beer. I I don't think I had ever had a Kentucky Common before drinking yours. So I'm a, I'm a good- Most people have never even heard of a Kentucky Common. Right, right, exactly. Um, so tell me, tell me a little bit about this beer. Yeah, uh, Hidden Hollow is a Kentucky Common. Uh, it is probably the oldest of the truly indigenous American beers. It was a style that was created here. It was developed here. Yeah, there's the, the can label. It really kind of speaks to the American past and uh, just kind of the way that we did things. It was brewed out in the Kentucky backcountry by moonshiners. They uh, would have all those same ingredients and to have something that they could drink out there while they were shining that was also sterile. You took beer out with you. That was that was actually a very common drink for a lot of human history because water was not always sterile, that through the process of boiling and fermentation, you would come out with a sterile product. So this is something uh, that they just developed out there uh, with what they had. And it would definitely be like if somebody people ask me like, oh, what's your favorite or whatever. And I always tell people if there was one beer that was the last beer that I ever brewed and it's the only one I ever brewed and it's what I just stuck with the whole time. I mean, this is this is it. This is the beer for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a high honor. Uh, you asked. I've asked brew a lot of brewers that question. A lot of them yeah. can't answer it at all. So. That's a, that's a pretty high honor for a brewer to choose a beer. It's like their yep. style. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. And it's, I mean, and, and the artwork too is, I mean, you can't beat it. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. My, cool. uh, my wife actually does all of our artwork uh, for us, all of our can labels. She developed our, our logos and everything. So she's had a big hand in all of this. Yeah. I love, I love the throwback to the, the origins of the style, like you feel an emotional connection to the history of this the, this style of beer, just looking at this label and then kind of tying it into your guys' branding. Um, it's an, This can is an experience like this just, yeah. it takes me back to like, um, kind of like what some of the theme parks like Knott's Berry Farm tries to do with some of their like stuff, like as a kid, when you felt immersed in that, like, this beer does that for me. It's really cool. Yeah, awesome. 
Yeah, I remember she used to, when she was designing it, she would just be up all night long panicking because she knows what this beer like is to us and to our brand and, and to the people that come here. And she's like, I, it's got to be perfect. I can't, I can't do this. I can't, I can't, too much pressure. <laughs> <laughs> well, she nailed it. She did a great job with it. Yeah, That's- she absolutely killed it. And so take me back to like when you guys first started brewing this. Was this from the homebrew days or did this happen after you guys opened up commercially or take me back to when you guys like first started brewing this style and this beer? Yeah, it actually did come out of the homebrew days. It was a beer uh, that we chose as a beer of the month competition in Long Beach Homebrewers. So every month they pick a style, everybody comes together at the club meeting, everybody tastes everybody's beer. We won with this beer there and everybody loved it. And we continued to brew it from that point. And when we started at the brewery, it was one of our flagship beers. People were so interested in it and it flew out the door. We decided to keep it. Now it's kind of our signature beer. You can't get this anywhere else. According to statistics, at least Wikipedia statistics, we're one of about a dozen breweries in the country that are brewing this beer. There's probably more now. You literally can't go anywhere locally and find this beer. So yeah, that's, we're just super proud of it. And whenever it goes off the menu for whatever reason, we're like off on our brewing schedule, people freak out and it's like, it's, it's, it's not, it's going to come back, isn't it? It's like not gone forever. It's like, no, no, settle down. But yeah, we, we love brewing this beer. We love watching people drink it because it tastes totally different than it looks. It's a darker beer and people think it's going to have a, like a, like a porter or even stout kind of taste to it. It drinks very light, almost like an amber ale. I compare it a lot to a Medela Negro, but it's, it's in that kind of flavor range. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, just hearing that the, the, the love and the demand for the beer within your core audience and your, your core customer base, that's, I mean, what a brewery hopes for, you know, like that's, that's how you know that there's something going with your beer is that not just is our tasting room full, but is there something that people like feel strongly enough about to like ask for um, again and again, which is super cool. The early days when you brew it for the for the Long Beach home brewers, how's the recipe evolved over time? So uh, when we did it originally, we tried to stick with like the true uh, Native American ingredients, whatever we could get that was true to style back in the day. In fact, right now we use an American ale yeast to ferment out with just because it's what we have in house and it's readily available. We used to try to get a, uh, what they called an American blend, which was the the closest thing we, we could get to a yeast that we kind of assumed it was being used back in the day. Who knows for sure? But uh, we did uh, obtain some old brewer's logs from a Louisville uh, brewery that was brewing it uh, back in the 1800s. And we tried to follow that ingredient list. So it was six row barley. It had a, a high percentage of corn in it. It uses a cluster hop, which was the only hop that is native to America. All other hops came from Europe and were, were grown uh, as crops here. Cluster was actually a wild hop that was discovered in the upper Midwest. From there, it was developed into a, a crop hop. We've tried to uh, get cluster in quantities and it's kind of hard actually. We've talked to some hop growers and they said, 
yeah, I grow that in my backyard to make wreaths out of, you know, it, it's not really in demand much, except for this beer. This beer demands it. You have to have a cluster to get this particular profile. One of the things that we noticed early on was the, um, the water profile that we use. And we actually use a, a, a Louisville, Kentucky water profile. Wow. So we went on and we, we, we got a profile from the city and tried to match that. And we do that with a lot of our beers. For our Hellas Lager, we use a Munich profile. Or our Czech Lager, we'll use a, a, a Czech water profile. I know a lot of people don't go to that much trouble for each individual beer, but we think it's really made a difference in our quality. And so we're sticking with it. But uh, <laughs> it's, I think that the water really is what creates a, a unique flavor in this beer. And, and, and maybe it's not so much a flavor as a mouthfeel uh -huh. in the beer. Yeah. We've heard some arguments about this particular style being a sour beer. And um, that really evolved from storage and refrigeration back in the day. Things are being transported without refrigeration, obviously, and, and sitting in barrels for extended periods of time. And I think the souring process that happened was just because of poor sanitation. Uh, so it was going to happen. But I think this is what the beer tasted would when it came out of the brewery and it probably changed in transportation over time it is a really quick beer though too we can turn this over in about eight days so as long as you could get to your distribution point pretty quickly it probably didn't change too much but uh, the horse and buggy probably took a while <laughs> i'm ready to, to open up this beer and maybe get a little of, of what the aromas are coming out of it and then taste it together are you guys ready for that we are ready. Cool. Let's do it. Cheers, man. Cheers. Yeah, that that color there too is just I mean, I'm in a dark room, so it looks darker than it probably normally does, but you know, it's that like really You can't beat it. That's like this. Yeah. Of any of our beers, this is my favorite color that that we have. Yeah, because it's like it's like it's not amber and it's not like a like a garnet. It's kind of like a fusion of the two. It's mm -hmm. really, really cool. You can get lost yeah. in. And then you pair that with the the color of the head too, that like nice off white. Mm -hmm. yeah. And like, poured like a, a nice like really frothy kind of nice mm -hmm. foaminess on the top. It's it's a really great looking attractive looking beer yeah we like to have a little bit of a higher carb on it than maybe what would have been traditional but i feel that it really opens it up quite a bit more and just really livens up the base of it we're using a base malt that not many people use anymore in six row and it just has a much bigger just kind of an earthiness to it than two row or Pilsner does. Because of that, like there's also a really high protein level um, and a really high, high uh, what's called the diastatic power, uh, which is just its ability to convert the starches into sugars. Um, you actually have to cut that way back. And so we, that's where the corn comes in. We're maybe at like 30% corn on this. It's a pretty healthy dose. Uh, some crystal malts just for some sweetness and that kind of caramely. And then uh, we use a uh, husk um, roasted barley to give it the color without having that big, over-the-top, like, acrid, burn quality to it. 
And so let's let's kind of zoom in on the experience of someone orders the beer, you pour it, you place it in front of them. That split second moment of bringing it to their mouth before they take the first sip, that kind of aromatic introduction. What are you guys hoping to achieve with that? What are you guys personally getting out of out of the aroma side of this beer? I mean, actually, one of the things that I want people to smell is the corn. Because I think that's one of the most unique things about it is that super high percentage. And it's it comes across sweet right off the bat. Like there's a, a kind of this overwhelming like floral sweetness that is a really interesting aspect of it. The car, the crystal malt's going to add a little bit to that sweetness. That's kind of where you get that kind of slightly caramely. And then just like the, the slightest, slightest ever kiss of roastedness on it that's like kind of toffee-ish and like a little bit of roast but not quite towards the like coffee side of the roast much more of that much lighter kind of like malyard kind of caramelization mm -hmm. and then just that earth earthy hoppiness yeah to me i mean one of the first things that's kind of surprising is that it's super bright in the aroma it doesn't have any of the qualities that you would think of by its appearance. Like I said, it's almost like an IPA kind of brightness to it. And then uh, with the first taste, you get a little bit of that, that toffee caramel coming through, but it's never heavy. This beer is always bright and light despite its color. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's that deception, which gives the element of surprise in drinking a beer, I think is highly underrated. People, I think, gravitate a lot towards beer that looks like they know what it's going to taste like and when you have a beer that keeps you on your toes a little bit it gives it an element of like fun and levity and something that you want to experience again and something that also i think which is also highly underrated is experience of introducing someone else to the beer for the first time you know when someone brings their buddy in is like hey you got to try this beer it's really cool and they're like, oh, I only drink lagers or I only, I only drink IPAs or whatever. And then you give them something like this and they're like, wow, you know, that really kind of blows my mind. That's really cool. When you, when we talk to people about this beer for the first time, the reactions are almost always the same. It goes, what, what's the Kentucky Common? And then we have to go through the story for the 12 millionth time. But each time the reactions are priceless because they just go, well, I have to try it. I mean, if this is what it was like, then then I have to try it. And then they get into it, and then, yeah, a lot of the people they see and go, oh, man, that's black as night. And they're like, well, you need to get out more if you think this is black <laughs> as night. But, <laughs> but we take the time to walk them through it. And, like, these are the things you're going to expect, and these are the things that you should expect, and these are the things you're going to taste. And, I mean, I've had people who come in and say, I will never touch or even look at a dark beer in my life. I go, how much do you trust me? <laughs> and then give them this beer. And I've had those people never order anything else of ours. I've had a few times where they come in and they go, oh, is the uh, is Hidden Hollow on? And it's like, oh man, sorry, it's actually going to be on tomorrow. And, and they'll go, okay. And then they'll leave. Oh, wow. And it's like, <laughs> Wow, like there's a lot of dedication to this. Yeah, year. I haven't taken a sip yet. I'm I'm super eager to do so. But before I do, I wanted to kick it back to the name Hidden Hollow. Is there anything behind the name? What was the process like for coming up with it? Any any story there? 
Well, the story with the Hidden Hollow is uh, that that plays into the Moonshiner part of it, because what the Shiners would do is go find the Hidden Hollow, you know, that's it's hidden away out of everybody's sight, where there was a nice little water source, and stay hidden. And it's as simple as that, really. So we we just thought it had a nice little catch to it, and um, so we went with Hidden Hollow. Kicking it back to the artwork, it just again emphasizes and re-emphasizes that storyline over and over. Let's dive into that next step. We've, we've zoomed into the glass to your lips. Let's take it to the next experience. And uh, cheers, guys. Beautiful, beautiful. I mean, you get like that sweetness from the corn that doesn't have like that candiness. It's just kind of like that earthy sweetness. You get a little bit of the caramel, you get a little bit of the roastiness. It's super light and bright. It's got a lot of elements of, I'd say, if you're familiar with beer, a lot of different styles, kind of picking and choosing pieces from different styles and combining them into something that like doesn't be packaged together. So talk me through what you guys are aiming for on a flavor profile here. Again, kind of kind of what you called out, that little bit of sweetness, that earthy sweetness, that slight toffee, the touch of rose. But really, like, the, the real key to this beer is keeping that drinkability, keeping it light, keeping it bright. You have those elements, then the rest of it just falls into place. Because if you don't have that, then you don't have any of these other elements. So as long as we kind of keep that, this beer is always gonna fall into right where we want it. It's funny because the hops that are used in this, they're almost gone. It's really hard to pull out a lot of the hop flavors in it. The cluster is what you get the most of all, and that's just kind of that classic noble, earthy, slightly grassy. But there's also Centennial in there, which is very, can be very aromatic. And the, actually the Centennial that we have is also very lemony, but we actually use it as a boil addition. So it loses a lot of that and just kind of just keeps that very subtle bitterness in the back end. And then the last one is Saws. So again, you kind of have that classic, just noble, slight spice, but it's all very subdued and it really just lets the mall play into what the flavors of the beer should be. And it's like they say malt is kind of the soul of the beer. That should be the thing that is most present in this. We like to say that this tastes like beer. And, uh, you know, it's when you drink this beer, you, you kind of have this thought in your head, this is, this is what beer should taste like. And without all the craziness that we talked about before and all the just out on the fringe stuff, when it comes down to the core, like we talked about our, you know, what our goals are here being a classic brewery. This is just like the heart of what beer should taste like. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it, it combines, like we were saying, a lot of things that people look for in beer. It's a, it, it's, a good it's interesting when you're asking about the flavor profile and it's like, like we know what it is, but sometimes it's hard to put your finger on it because it's just, it's like just right in this sweet spot where this is so good and we know this is, is what we're going for, but it's really hard to describe, you know, actually, and have it come across accurately. Mm -hmm. um, it's just like, it tastes like great beer. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Hard to, it's hard to go <laughs> beyond that really. And I know that sounds cliche and, and just kind of generic, 
but if you were able to taste it with us, I think you'd get it. <laughs> Absolutely. I, it's, it's definitely there. And I think with uh, a lot of beer styles, especially the more classic true to style beers, balance is really what you're going for. But I think nothing is more important than in this beer. Like balance here is what it's all about. One thing that we didn't talk about was how it pairs. And th this beer pairs with really just about anything. Occasionally we'll sneak a can into our sushi bar. So, because all they have is uh, like here in there <laughs> and I, something, uh, I'll want something a little different. So uh, it goes great with sushi. It goes great with burgers and pizza on that side of the spectrum. Really, I can't think of anything that it really doesn't pair nicely with. It's got that kind of, like you're saying, neutral balance that's right in the middle. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like picturing you know, fatty, like like pizza, like fatty, cheesy, greasy, but also like spicy. I think tacos would be really interesting with this. Oh yeah. Uh, like spicy carne asada tacos or something like that. Uh, I think the sushi good with spice. idea is super interesting. I really like that idea. It, I wouldn't think that at all. I wouldn't have thought oh, that. Oh yeah. Oh no, it's excellent. <laughs> it's kind of mind blowing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe once all of this shutdown stuff is in our, well in our rearview mirror, pairing up with a sushi chef out there in Long Beach and doing like a little tasting event at the brewery could be super cool. Oh yeah, we've actually thought about that. Yeah, I've never heard of anyone doing that. So that's, I think that would be really unique. Hidden Hollow, Kentucky Common, if someone wants to buy this beer, I know right now is a crazy time to buy beer, but if they want to get their hands on this, what's the best way to do it? Best way is going to be to come by the brewery. That's where you, we have it for sure. We're at a couple different places around town now. We're in uh, the Cork stores here in Long Beach. We're at Stateside Craft in Long Beach also, down at Fourth Horseman downtown Long Beach. We're at Sage Bistro up in Hollywood too. They took a good quantity up there. And so that's kind of, if you're coming from like the Valley or, or uh, LA area, that's probably gonna be the closest spot for you. Other than that, you're gonna have to come to Long Beach. Yeah, I mean, I've noticed you guys keep your beers close to home. And while I'm an hour away from Long Beach on a good day, 25 minutes right now, which is awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it, your, your beer is relatively, I mean, you have to seek it out. And, you know, if we're up here further away from Long Beach. So that sucks because I love your beer. <laughs> it's also, I think, <laughs> I also think it's, it's important and it's distinct in that you can experience it there in the tap room You can experience it at Steelcraft Bellflower. I think I encourage everyone who's watching this, seek out Hidden Hollow. When have you ever had a Kentucky Common and really experience it in the breadth of the 10 mile beer portfolio because there's a lot of really fun things there. You know, I picked up some crawlers a, a couple weeks back and just going between, you know, the German Pilsner and the milk stout and the coffee porter, like just really, really fun, really delicious, drinkable beers. So that's all I got. I mean, 10 Mile, <laughs> check these guys out. Jesse, Dan, thank you so much for joining me on this today mm -hmm. and teaching me about this beer. It's a very special one. Yeah. Thank you for brewing it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, thank pleasure. you. Thank you for having yeah. us. All right, yeah. cheers guys. Cheers, man. Cheers.